New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. The medical choices that we have today can be bewildering. They are of such variety as allopathic medicine, also known as Western medicine, Eastern medicine, and alternative or holistic medicine, just to name a few. Also, our choice of health practitioners has an equally large field of options. We can go to naturopaths, acupuncturists, osteopaths, or MDs. We can look up symptoms on the internet and attempt to self-diagnose among countless illnesses and diseases. The choices are multitudinous. So how do we wade through the variety of options? Our guest today, Dr. Elson Haas, is dedicated to empowering each of us with the knowledge and resources, we need to make the best choices for our health. Dr. Elson Haas has been an integrated family physician since 1973 and is the founder and director of the Preventative Medical Center of Marin, located in the San Francisco Bay Area. Dr. Haas is the author of many books on health, nutrition, and detoxification, including the Detox Diet, The False Fat Diet, Staying Healthy with the Seasons, Staying Healthy with Nutrition, and Staying Healthy with New Medicine, Integrating Natural, Eastern, and Western Approaches for Optimal Health. Join us for the next hour as we explore navigating the potentially treacherous waters of current medical choices with our guest, Dr. Elson Haas. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Elson, welcome. Thank you for having me, Justine. It's a pleasure to be back here after 12 years, it looks like. Exactly. We've, we've, we've sat across this table many times, well, maybe with different hosts, but we've been together through the years. So here we are now with a multitude of ideas that we can take for better choices for our own health. You as a health practitioner and a medical doctor, I know that your philosophy is also being a teacher, that, that you, really, you really like to help us look carefully and, and really understand what we're doing. So I'd love for you to share your philosophy of being a doctor and being a teacher 
Well, I still practice uh, after 45 years and run a clinic with wonderful people working together to really support people's best health. My approach is, you know, your health starts with you. You know, lifestyle first, natural therapies next, drugs last. You know, my goal is to make medicine fun and educational. And that's why I've written, you know, books and articles and all that, because to me, to empower people with the, you know, to help them make the best choices. And we have choices every day in our nutrition and our exercise and how we think, you know, even our mental uh, thinking and attitudes is, is a choice in some ways. And that's really what I want to engage with people in. And I, you know, I like to keep people out of hospitals, out of surgery, and using the least medicines. And I see a lot of people who, you know, what we do as an integrative practitioner and, you know, who works with multiple uh, systems, I want the simplest, most effective way, the safest thing for people to use. And a lot of times that's natural remedies over and above drugs. And most of my patients are using, you know, different diets, different supplements and medicines, and how do we integrate that? That's another aspect of an integrative approach. Exactly. So I would love to go through, I know you mentioned, and I mentioned in the introduction, three of the major medical choices mm-hmm. that we have, or systems, we'll say, mm-hmm. uh, natural medicine, Western medicine, and Eastern mm-hmm. medicine. And I would love for you, and I know mm-hmm. that you mentioned this, you really go through this mm-hmm. in your book, Staying Healthy with New Medicine. Let's talk about the strengths and the weaknesses of each Please. system, if you don't mind. So the new medicine is the acronym for N for natural, E for Eastern, W for Western. And, uh, you know, I'm an acronym. Uh, I'm crazy about acronyms. Um, so... Well, natural medicine is basically what we're really doing when we talk about alternative or you know functional medicine or things like that, is we're working on physiological medicine. How do we restore physiology to you know basically to get all the nutrients that the body needs to limit the toxins and things that stress our body? So natural medicine has a way of helping to balance the body. It's safer. Uh, it's not always as strong, and that's you know one of the weaknesses is you know for acute care, which is one of the strengths of Western medicine, uh, natural medicine may not work as quickly. And so, if we're using herbs to help balance the body, uh, if we're even doing you know structural care because that that's part of natural medicine also, um, or using nutrients, and I even look at supporting healthy aging like. Uh, bioidentical hormones or thyroid, you know, is it is actually type of natural medicine. I, I, I kind of categorize that a little different than many doctors do, is that when we're adding thyroid or hormones in people who are, you know, women who are menopause or men as they age, we're adding something that your body already has. We're just giving you a little bit more of it, which is different than what I call the attack and conquer approach of Western medicine, where we're fighting something, we're we're blocking uh, whether it's headaches or pain or uh, infection. We're, we're we're attacking the body to a certain degree, and we we may be able to help correct a lot of things. And it's not like we haven't saved millions of lives over the last you know century with 
antibiotics and all the all the drugs that are there, you know, insulin and and all the things that we do. And even insulin is is a type of natural medicine because we're giving the body something that it's low in that we're giving it more of. So you're you're saying one of the weaknesses of natural medicine is sometimes it's slow to take effect. And in this culture where we want immediate exactly. results, we're, we're like, quick, like, give it to me now. I want it right now. That that some people would see that as not being patient enough for that, would you say? Right. right. Or if you're really suffering, if you're really sick, or you have a, you know, acute pain, or you need something, you know, there's some disease in the body that needs fixing. I mean... You know, I've, I've talked about this for many years, and Andy Weil writes about it also. It's like, you know, if you break your arm or you have, a, you know, a big tumor something, you know, in your body, you know, typically you want that to be treated, you know, directly. And that's where Western medicine is good. If you're in an accident or something so like that. So now we're going into Western medicine, the right. strengths and weaknesses of Western medicine. Right. It's stronger, which is a strength. It's stronger as a weakness, too, because a lot of times it causes more side effects. And I think the wise use of Western medicine is to use, I see a lot of people who are over-medicated, even, you know, elders or chronic people or blood pressure, is we tend to just leave, put people on something, and most doctors just leave them there. I have in, in, in New Medicine, I talk about the health illness continuum. And, you know, we can talk about that in a bit. But, you know, so Western medicine has the ability to fix things, to help remove uh, damaged organs, to treat uh, bad infections because antibiotics are stronger than the natural things. And in my experience is I work a lot with natural remedies and I also prescribe medicines. And a lot of it is you know, to empower the, the, the individual person. Because I don't like to, uh, I, and some people want me to make decisions for them, but I want them to make decisions. I want, some people come in and say they're sick and they have bronchitis. I don't want antibiotics to do what we can otherwise. Then they're not in a rush. Some other person might come in, I have to fly to New York on Friday. Uh, I need to get, I need to get better. And it's Wednesday morning. So I just, okay, so let's, let's give you some medicines and see if we can knock this out. And so that's, again, kind of the strength weaknesses. So with natural medicine, it's kind of their, their, they can fit together. And as I mentioned, a lot of people can take natural remedies and drugs, if they're on drug, with the goal to how do I lessen the meds? How do I even lessen some of the natural things I need to take? Because I see often people who come in with bags of things that they're taking. And it's gotten co complex. When I started doing this 40-some years ago, you couldn't go in the health and store and, and get thousands of products. I had to have herbal herbal cabinets with the, you know, individual herbs, and I would make up a, something with anise and licorice, for, you know, for digestive things. Or you know, I was making my own cough medicine. You couldn't you couldn't go to the store and get them. Now you now you can, and there's a lot of good products out there in the world. So tell me about that, Elson. Is there much research done about taking prescriptions and herbal medicine and that they may be conflicting. What do we know about that? Well, there, there are some, there is a fair amount of knowledge out there about certain herbals and their effect, like echinacea and on autoimmunity and things like that. Uh, there's not a lot of information. There's not a lot of studies, but there are some consequences of mixing certain certain things together. Um, I know that there are certain healthcare 
organizations, let's say, like I belong to Kaiser is the one mm-hmm. that I belong to. And they have, when, when you go in, they'll ask you not only what prescriptions are you taking, they're asking you, what herbs are you taking mm-hmm. and what vitamins are you taking? So they're having you list all of them. Right. I don't know what they do with that. Well, here's the limitation of that is they don't really know the natural remedies. They don't, and and most of the time we don't know. One of the things that I share in in speaking and and talking to patients is you are a walking experiment. The combination of foods, supplements, and medicines you're taking, either no one else on the planet has ever taken before, or it's unique and no one's really studied that. So you become your own process. One of the things when I speak to physicians around the country. I say, you, you may not like this, but, you know, everything we do in, in healthcare and medicine is experimental slash experiential. You have to see what it does for that person. So if it's a new diet or supplement or drug, you say, okay, let's see how you do. And I might have given a prescription for uh, a blood pressure medicine to 10 people, and, you know, the first five do well, and then somebody doesn't like it or they start having a cough or, or aches and pain. The same with statin drugs and all these things. So you have to pay attention to that. So everybody's body is going to maybe respond differently exactly. to, to things. So. Right. It's complicated. Well, it's, it's a cooperative, interactive process, and most doctors aren't willing to really work that way, where I'm, I'm your partner in this process. Let's figure this out. Let's try these things. Report back to me. Let me know how you're doing. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Dr. Elson Haas, and he's the author of Staying Healthy with New Medicine. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, ElsonHaas.com. Haas is spelled H-A-A-S, ElsonHaas.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, NewDimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Elson Haas, and he's the author of many books, including Staying Healthy with New Medicine. And Elson, um, we've gone a little bit through natural medicines and, and, or that system of care, and that's uh, the strengths and weaknesses. Um, we've gone a little bit into allopathic or Western medicine. One, one thing that I'd like to also ask you about, about Western medicine, before we go to Eastern medicine, which is the third of the trio that we're t- really talking about today, 
So in uh, Western medicine, let's talk a little bit about surgery. Because in Western medicine, there are a lot of specialists, Mm -hmm. and they each have their view into how to care for any one thing. And so there's this, maybe the top of the line, so to speak, might Mm -hmm. be the surgeon. I'm not sure if that's really true, but you know that... It's a glorified position. It it seems to be a glorified position, and, and so... They're really willing to go for that each time. Mm. Uh, So can you say something about the pros and cons of surgery? Well, it definitely is in the fix-it. That's for more advanced problems. And people, I mean, I'm watching over the last 20 years, you know, new hips, new knees, new shoulders. You know, it's gotten where people are are partly bionic, and it seems to also be really helpful. Even you know everything from transplants and heart, you know heart bypasses and all that. So we're giving people a little more life, and I'm on kind of the opposite side where I'm always saying, "How do I keep you healthy and age well?" Versus end up with the common problems. See, one of my philosophies and messages in in healthcare is how we look and feel is primarily a result of how we live. And so our lifestyle is first. And, you know, if we pay attention to what we're eating and our exercise and sleep, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll get into the five keys of staying healthy later, but uh, to your question is, uh, surgery can be life-saving. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, we've advanced so much technologically and scientifically, uh, but we obviously want to avoid surgery. It's traumatic. Uh, it's hard on the body. Anesthesia is hard on the body. People can have a lot of you know, bad outcomes to surgery. So my work as a family doctor is, one, to, uh, surgery is the last resort, but also make sure it's appropriate and make right. sure you know, the things you want to ask your surgeon is, what's the likely benefit? What's my risk here? You know, if I don't do surgery, uh, what might happen to me, you know? So, because, you know, especially with cancer, for example, people, you know, have to make that choice of going into the the Western approach, uh, which is surgery, you know, chemotherapy and radiation, mm-hmm. which are stronger. And, you know, and th- there's not a lot of good research that shows that going off to to another country or doing alternative treatments for cancer is that effective for certain things that mm-hmm. can be. And for certain things, chemotherapy really works well. For certain things, you know, it's important to get, you know, the primary tumor out if you if that's doable. I mean, so that's my coaching with people. I mean, a lot of times I just help people think through things and make good decisions for them. Well, Elsa, now that, that reminds me, like in Western medicine, you oftentimes go to a doctor and they only have this limited time to be with you. And oftentimes they're not even looking at you, they're looking at a computer screen. And, they're, and that may be helpful in some places, but if you don't get their attention somehow, they might not even, mm-hmm. even touch your body to mm-hmm. manipulate something or feel something or look at something. So what you're talking about is... Am I correct in this? Spending a little more time with a patient is that? Yeah, and also just engaging with them. Looking at, them. I don't. I refuse to have be on a computer in my in my visits. Okay, so I'm there. I'm looking at. I'm just like I'm looking at you, Justine. You know, it's just like I want to be present for people. I want them to be present. And you know, one of sometimes my first question is, how can I be of help today? 
What are your goals in working with me if they're a new patient? You know, what's your approach? What's your belief system? Uh, in new medicine, I talk about a doctor-patient relationship, which we can get into later if you want. But it's, it's having a mutual kind of belief system, you know, respect. I mean, I'm also one of the few alternative-oriented doctors that takes insurance and Medicare in the whole Bay Area. And that was my next question Ooh. because, like, to find a doctor that really will sit down in the way that you talk about sitting down, the, the whole issue of insurance is huge because mm-hmm. it makes us have to go uh. only in certain ways and not be able to choose a doctor that we would really mm-hmm. want to choose right. because we can't afford it. Right, and that's like a, that's like one of the systems that has strengths and, and limitations also because I can't sometimes with complicated people or people with chronic disease, I can't spend the amount of time that I might if I'm just charging you by the hour. You know, if I charge a few hundred dollars an hour and I can sit with somebody for two hours, that's how most alternative-oriented doctors are working. You know, that's just they'll take a, a certain amount of time and charge you accordingly. When I became a doctor back in the early 70s, and, you know, I was in med school during the counterculture, you know, rebel time, you know, and I was a rebel medical student, and I had to say, there's more to it than this, you know. we got to find out who people are, you know. It's not just the diseases. And I, I thought it was very authoritarian and patriarchal, and it wasn't really honoring people. So I said, I'm going to be a people's doctor. And that's why I've, I've spent my time writing and also, you know, spending the time and energy and money to bill insurance. And I have a whole team of people who do that in my office. And that's one of the things I get acknowledged for often with patients. Thank you for being here. Thank you yeah. for taking insurance, yeah. you know, because they couldn't afford to get even a different view. It doesn't mean that they're going to do all these treatments because I still encourage people, you know, to have see a naturopath if they want to have chiropractic if that you know benefit them and you know there's still a lot of things that people have to pay for if they're if they're uh, wanting a, a more balanced approach to their health care. You mentioned naturopath. What is a naturopath? A naturopath is an ND naturopathic doctor who has gone to natu- naturopathy school uh, often for four years, and has a degree, and they learn about structural therapy, they learn about nutrition, uh, herbal medicine, you know, and they're basically looking at, you know, they do. I'm, I consider, I do, I'm a naturally oriented medical doctor, and there's a lot more of us out there now because right. we said nutrition is important. So you combine both. You you mm-hmm. look at the, all of that in the natural way, but you also can call on Western medicine. And also there are osteopaths, and people don't realize that those are are doctors who've gone all the way through medical school, gotten their MD, mm-hmm. and then they do a specialty beyond that. Right. Well, they get a, a DO. They get a doctor of osteopathy, which is the same as an MD in all states of the of the U.S. now. But they're also trained in structural care. Yes. And they have a little bit more holistic orientation in their training. So they maybe get a little more nutrition than the medical doctors do, which is very, you know, so very limited. Uh, but I have a you know wonderful osteopath in my office, and when I look at people, so when I evaluate people, I have a five-page questionnaire. Uh, it's got kind of natural Eastern and Western types of questions because you know in Eastern medicine, 
uh, it's looking at, you know, what season do you feel the best in? Do you get sick certain during the season? What colors are you attracted to? You know, what's, you know, what kind of eating, you know, what's your diet do you do? So, you know, and Eastern medicine is, uh, I'll get into that because we were talking about it earlier, but it's similar to natural medicine is that it's more subtle. It's a way of balancing the body internally, balancing the energies. The idea in traditional Chinese medicine is if, if your energy is flowing through all your channels, you're going to be healthy. If it's blocked because of stresses or emotions, internal, the internal harms are the emotions, anger, fear, worry, etc. The external ones are extreme climates, cold, wet, you know, damp, uh, heat, uh, wind. You know, those can throw off the body. And when you throw off the body energetically, it manifests as certain types of symptoms. And so a, a traditional Chinese medicine or acupuncturist is looking at assessing the body energetically and helping to rebalance. So if the lungs feel weak and they measure the pulses, they look at the tongue, they look at the areas around the eyes, and you get a sense, oh, this person has too much cold and dampness in their digestive area. So they're sluggish digestive tract and they get a lot of gas and bloating and they don't turn their food into energy well. So working with the, the energy channels and with herbs to help strengthen certain areas, uh, we can help balance the body. But it's a slower process also. So that's a little bit of the downside. It's You have to be patient with it. Right. But it can be, if you have pain, it's definitely worth trying because a lot of times it helps. Pain is energy. You know, when we look at bo the body, if there's trapped energy somewhere, it can be pain. Or the other thing I have, which is what I write about in my detox work, is there's either too much or too little. And when it's not in balance, and that also has to do with the immune system too. You know, if there's too much, then we can get jammed up energy. If there's too little, there's a weakness. In Western medicine, there's aspects of that too. Like anemia is too little iron and too little blood cells. Low thyroid is not enough thyroid hormone production. But then there's also a reason why the body is not processing that. Right. Is that right? Because, well, I mean, there, you can take iron pills then and so forth, but if your body's not grasping that, right. it's not going to... Well, everything takes good digestion and assimilation, and uh -huh. that's often a, a core area. That's our intestinal tube, you know, and, you know, we have more cells and bacteria there than we have in our entire rest of our body. Uh, I was just at a talk uh, with Ken Pelletier uh, the other day, who's you know, a great researcher and brilliant and been a kind of a lifestyle-oriented uh, practitioner, worked at Stanford, UCSF, and he has a new book out on epigenetics. I know. So, we'll be sitting down with him soon as oh, well. Great, yes. great, yeah. Oh, great. So he, we were talking about it, and I said, well, what, you know, when we're looking at epigenetics, and that's the, basically how does your lifestyle affect whether genes, your potential risk or harms of, of genes are expressed or not? And he said, of, of everything, Diet is the most important, mm. and mo and most of our life and our expression, other than our our eye color, our hair color, and certain patterns of this, most of that is like five percent or less. Most of that is affected by uh, our our exercise, our stress. No, diet and stress were the two strongest components, mm. but adequate sleep and all the things I talk about in terms of lifestyle medicine. So you, you talk about those five uh, keys. Five to, keys to staying healthy. So to staying healthy. So maybe this is a good time to, to start to go into yeah. that. All right. Five keys to staying healthy are nutrition, which is eat wholesome food, avoid junk and chemicals, toxins, eat a balanced diet, 
And my message has always been since, you know, the last 40 years is eat according to the seasons and where you live. Okay, but we don't have—let me just take a break here. We're going to come back to these five keys. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Dr. Elson Haas. He's the author of Staying Healthy with New Medicine, Integrating Natural, Eastern, and Western Approaches for Optimal Health. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, elsonhaasmd.com. Com. And he spells his name Elson, E-L-S-O-N, Haas, H-A-A-S-M-D, for medicaldoctor.com. Or you can give there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Elson Haas, the author of Staying Healthy with New Medicine, and new stands for natural, eastern, and western medicine. So, uh, Elson, we've just started to launch in the five keys for for good health, and I'd love for you, you started to talk about that. Let's let's go into that. What What is that? How have you... Well, the five keys are, obviously, it's pretty common sense. I often say I'm a common sense doctor, so, you know, it comes back to, like, what you can do for yourself to keep yourself healthy. That's been my goal, for, you know, and when I, grew, you know, when I grew up, I was eating the Western diet. I was overweight. I had allergies all the time. I started to get in changing my diet, started to clear up my allergies, started to feel better in my body energy-wise. Um, and it, I realized it matters what I put in my mouth. You know, that was a start. So the five keys are good nutrition, regular exercise, managing stress, quality sleep, and healthy attitude. And attitude is kind of the core of those things because when I did, I did a 10-day juice cleanse back in 1975 and I hadn't learned any of this in medical school, and I was out in practice, and I went to hear this talk, and I said, okay, I'm going to try that. It sounds, you know, sounds uplifting, you know. And it was not easy for the first couple of days, but I did the master cleanse, which many people have heard about, lemon, you know, lemon, you know maple syrup, cayenne pepper, and water. And my body, like, over oh, 20 pounds. The third day I woke up, clear nose, which is like I had 20 years of congestion and allergies, and uh, I, you know, I just started to feel better and better every day. And I said, "Wow, I could feel like this." It was, it was, you know, beyond drugs. You know, it's like I could it was feel a this revelation, naturally. huh? Yeah, and I realized this is valuable. I could. There's a lot of healing that could happen with this, because digestive symptoms, allergies cleared up, skin looked bad. People were looking at me like, "Wow, you're looking like you're shiny. You know, you're vibrant." That's what I realized. There's a level of you know, kind of functioning okay in life, and there's a level of vibrant health. And that's what I've been working on for the last, you know, 45 years is keeping my health vital 
And I realized when I did that, I said, it matters how I live my life. It matters what I do. You know, my attitude changed. This is the only body I have. I'm going to treat it with love. So when I started doing that, I started eating better. I made sure I was getting a good balanced exercise program. I learned ways to handle the stress in my body, which was both structural and emotional. Um, and I worked on my sleep. And I just just cleaning out my diet helped me sleep better. I realized I was disrupted from my congestion. And a lot of times how our digestive tract works affects our sleep. So many factors affect sleep. So I have on my website, I have a free course called The Five Keys to Staying Healthy, which allows you to go in and rate yourself in all those different areas. So we're like nutrition. Are you eating a balanced diet? Do you have what I call a snack habit? S-N-A-C-C, my other favorite acronym. (laughs) S-N-A-C-C stands for sugar, nicotine, alcohol, caffeine, and chemicals. That's medicines, toxins, et cetera. And when I lectured, I've lectured around the country for a a lot of years, when I ask an audience, and this could even be a health audience, how many of you are not habituated to at least one of those substances on a, you know, on a daily basis? I get less than 5% of people. Mm-hmm. Most people, uh, and this is another thing that I've, I've, I've coined this term called the stimulation sedation syndrome, mm. whereby people are using substances to manage their mood and energy. Right. And when we don't do that well, when we don't sleep well and we're kind of wiped out, but we have to go to work the next day, it's a cup of two or coffee. It's some sugar. You know, then later in the day, we're kind of wired up. We have some alcohol or some cannabis, you know, whatever people are doing, or they just have natural sedatives. And when we don't balance that well, we just, we don't ever feel well doing that. So to me, and that incorporates the five keys also. So coming back. I had to throw in my my snacks, my snack <laughs> message. But so good nutrition, and I have a you know I have a twelve hundred page nutrition book that's used by people studying nutrition, and I can hold it up. I've lectured the graduating class and things. I said, you know, I said this big book. I can tell you in one sentence, the key message of nutrition is: eat wholesome foods, avoid junk and chemicals. And so it's a, it's a simple message. And so staying away from, let's say, processed foods. Yeah, processed foods. You know, and I can encourage people to, to eat more, more, more vegetables. Yes. Um, when I talk to kids, I go into schools often, and I've written, you know, information pieces for kids and families. So I say for parents, I said, and kids, be aware of the difference between real food and treats. You know, I want to say something about kids. Uh, Michael Moore, the... Uh, documentary Uh uh, film producer, has done a film. uh, And one of the things that he showed was the diet that French children were getting in school compared to American children. Mm -hmm. It was phenomenal. I mean, these French kids are eating so well. It just right, right. It's embarrassing what we give our kids in school. Well, we get far away from, you know, the Mediterranean diet is probably one of the most studied diets for longevity and health. And it has lots of veggies, a lot of fresh food, good quality proteins, olive oil, you know, bread and cheese and wine probably too. But uh, anyway, it's, it's really, it really matters what we, what we choose to. And we're so ingrained in our culture with processed foods and sugars and quick, quick, or quick foods and, yeah. and, and fast food restaurants and all that. And, you know, that's what I want people to realize that 
none of none of it is terrible unto itself. And here's the problem with young people: when we're younger, we can get away with a lot more. But by the time we're thirty and forty, we're just like we're starting to have some of the ill effects of that. Yeah. So, so nutrition was one. What, nutrition what, and, number one. Uh, exercise is number two. Now, what right. if we find exercising boring? Well, what is what is your suggestion well, about I exercise? I have my my one my one uh, slogan is you know you know what the best exercise is, the one that you'll do. <laughs> so you got to find something. But to me, uh, like many things, look at the outcome. Now, I exercise at lunchtime when I see patients all day because I know that shifts my energy and gives me energy for the afternoon. But most of us need a variety of exercises so that we can do it indoors, outdoors, or, or around the year. We want some cardio for, you know, for endurance. We want some weight weights for toning our body because muscle mass is really important for healthy metabolism and for aging. And we want stretching for flexibility. Um, so, you know, most people can find something they like, whether it's just like walking in the hills outside wherever you live or doing, you know, a, you know, a video exercise program. Uh, I happen to like it, and it, it, it helped me feel better. Yeah. So that's where you so want to get So notice how you're feeling right. after you do it. Yeah. You know, and for people who are moderate, you know, mild or moderate depression, it's one of the best treatments, you know. So to me... I don't think people can really feel they're optimal unless they're, you know, have some kind of fitness program. So next is uh, quality sleep. Sleep is one of the biggest issues in our culture, and it also is the core. It's like the beginning for people not feeling well or getting, you know, stressed out on the on the on the on the rat race of life, where you just have to keep going, you know, and you can't always. Get in the rhythm. See, part of my message of staying healthy with the seasons is find the rhythm. You know, it's like my kids went to Waldorf school. It's all about get, finding that rhythm that, you know, going to bed and rake, waking up and adapting a little bit with the seasons, like wintertime more rest and spring we start to open up and cleanse our body and summertime we can play more and, you know, just simple things like that. So sleep is really essential and, and half of America does not sleep well. And you have to look at the cause. We have all kinds of books out there. You have sleep hygiene. Like mm-hmm. when I, for example, uh, a couple years ago, I got an organic mattress. I got all my, I got my TV and all my electronics out of my bedroom and immediately started sleeping better. Uh. And I'm still, I'm still doing that. So sleep is really important. Uh, the fourth is stress, learning to manage stress. Big a lot of people oh, these don't. these days, that's huge. And it's, a lot of it begins with our mind and how we talk to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I write a little bit, even in my, in my newsletters coming out, um, is the self-talk. And we have, just like the foods we eat, we have a little bit of control over that. We don't have to let negativity or rumination go on in our heads because that, we just get stuck in it, you know? And most of the things we worry about never come to pass, you know? So learning to manage stress, and I have one of my favorite sections in New Medicine is called fair fighting. It's about learning how it's called the art and practice of peacefully not getting along. So how can you have a disagreement with a loved one and not hurt each other and not say things out of anger, which is always kind of nasty, and it, it undermines the relationship. So how to keep your relationship whole and healthy is, is part of that. And I'm thinking also any mindfulness practice that we do, which is not negating even negative thoughts that we might have, it's we learn not to attach right. to them. 
And yeah. it's not like trying to just say, okay, I'm only going to think great thoughts and beautiful thoughts. No, it's it's about just right. letting them glow like clouds mm-hmm. just moving exactly. across our mind. And That's what I have. That, I have that image in, in my Seasons book I wrote a long time ago, which is picture your mind like you're lying in a beautiful meadow and looking at the, the blue sky and the clouds floating by your thoughts. You don't grab onto them, you just watch them. And that's, you know, and then when you learn meditation, that's what you're doing. You, listen, your mind, you're, you are not your mind. I've had to say that to many patients. You are not your mind. Just because you're thinking about it, that doesn't make it real. Many people think their mind is real. So that's, so that's stress, sleep, nutrition, exercise. And then you mentioned something early uh, on about attitude. Attitude is my fifth and I think probably the most important for many people because it's just what we're talking about. Uh, how do, what do you, how do you, how is the world? You know, you know, what do you think about the world? How do you relate to it? You know, is it, is it out to get you? Is it, you know, positive? I mean, you know, my, my sweetie says, how, Elson, how can you, you go to bed happy and you wake up happy? I don't get it. I said, well, my key is I'm in partly a state of denial and I don't watch the news. <laughs> Even in watching the news or being up to date on things right. and, and knowing about climate change or anything else that might be right. of concern to us, one of the ways that mm-hmm. people who have been sitting in that chair, like mm-hmm. you are, have said is that to that to do what we can with what's close to us, with right. who, with people that we are associated with, and not be attached to the outcome. It's when right. we get attached to the outcome and it doesn't right. turn out the way we want it. Well, then we just get all depressed and yeah. tense. And Some people have defined stress as holding an image of yourself or of a situation that's not really true or it's not really accurate. And we project these things. When we get upset about something is because typically we have an expectation of an outcome that doesn't happen. You know, and that's what we worry about. That's, you know, what undermines our health. So to me, the attitude is a very personal thing. It's just like, Embrace yourself. Take care of your body. My attitude, I want is your health starts with you. It's your only. It's your only. It's your lifelong possession that you are and you are alone are responsible for. And your your parents were originally, but you know, hopefully they've ingrained some healthy aspects for you. But a lot of times people are destructive because of the upbringing they have. So it's hard to shift attitude without almost going through into a deeper therapy. I'm here with Dr. Elson Haas, and he's the author of Staying Healthy with New Medicine, Integrating Natural, Eastern, and Western Approaches for Optimal Health. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. Thank you. 
I'm here with Dr. Elson Haas, and he's the author of many books, and he is a medical doctor and also a a doctor of natural medicine, uh, as well as other other modes of healing. And his most recent book is Staying Healthy with New Medicine, Integrating Natural, Eastern, and Western Approaches for Optimal Health. Elson, I would like to go into the causes, what you can tell us, what you know about the causes of disease. Well, I have a whole chart and, and a chapter in New Medicine about it. And it really gets down to the core. I've been talking about detoxification because to me it was a valuable tool for me and I've watched thousands of people do, you know, go through elimination diets where you just kind of clear out some of your habits. And this is what I do in groups often. Um, I've been doing that for 40 years. I've done a 10-day fast every year for 43 years. And I think it keeps my skin healthy, you know, keeps my weight under control to some degree. Uh, even though I still have to work on that because I grew up overweight, and you know we all have our patterns that we have to do, address. Mm-hmm. I talk about deficiency and toxicity. So many, if you ask many doctors and many scientists, what are the causes of disease? They would say, oh, germs, uh, inflammation, immune disorders, genetic disorders, things like that. And those are our factors, but those are not primary. To me, the most primary cause of disease happens at the cellular level. And in the center of my chart is cell health. And the two ways that the cells get out of balance is deficiency of all the nutrients we need, vitamins, minerals, amino acids, fatty acids from foods, phytonutrients, which are the bioflavonoids and carotenoids and hundreds of other biochemicals that are in our foods. They give it the the, the aroma, the taste, the smell, and the color. So all these are pigments that are found in nature. So those are important. So when we get all those nutrients, our cells can function and do the thousands of functions they do all day long. And the other side is toxins, metals, and chemicals that get into our air, food, water, we put on our skin or our hair that interfere with enzymes and cell function. So when we have all the nutrients needed and we don't have a lot of things interfering Uh, our cells and our tissues and then our organs and then our entire body functions best. And that's how I look at more optimal function. When we eat an imbalanced diet, too many acids, processed flour and sugar and meats and and dairy products and caffeine and alcohol tend to be more acidic, we start to get, we we buffer more acids into our tissues, which cause inflammation and eventually degenerative disease. All the aches and pains that we get as we age, to me, are over acidity. You know, my first class in medical school was on acid-based metabolism, where I learned about you know acid chemistry and, and alkaline chemistry. We want a more alkaline diet, higher in fruits and vegetables. That's you one know, way to keep keep our, our cells healthy. Inflammation is one of the big factors exactly. in Western culture that people are going around with a right. lot of pain in their body that's caused uh, by right. inflamed and joints. Least, and it leads to heart disease and all those other things. Well, you see, and there's around, I have inflammation, infection, and immunology that are three eyes that are in the secondary level. Because you get inflammation because of certain other subtle imbalances, and this is where natural and eastern medicine come in and can help kind of balance that a bit. But you can balance that inflammation with food. And when I have people do my detox diet, for example, which is primarily a couple of weeks of steamed vegetables, uh, 
you know, more alkaline type diet with, uh, you know, like buffered vitamin C with calcium, magnesium, and potassium to help to more alkalinize the body, this is a way that you can start to reduce inflammation more naturally. Can you have too much alkaline uh, diet? Sure, you could You could be over that side. And a lot, a lot of people get depleted. You know, when people come in, you know, a lot of times finding healing through nutrition is you take somebody, you take a 50-year-old guy who's a meat and potatoes and martini guy, works stressful, overweight, blood pressure's up, et cetera, and you put them on a vegetarian diet like Dean Ornish has done for many people, they, their body starts to heal. I've also seen many people who are on vegan diets, raw food diets, you know, and they're not getting enough nutrition, so their bodies are kind of weakened and depleted. So it's a very simple concept with deficiency toxicity. I can remember years ago when the big fad was macrobiotic diet, and you watch these people, and they were going around, they looked sallow, and they looked no vitality radiating out of their bodies. They just didn't look healthy. Well, and I see that a lot with with people who do vegan diets and and more vegetarian diets. Like when you talk, like when I see occasionally a teenager on a vegetarian diet, their vegetarian diet is, is bread and cheese. (laughs) <laughs> I and mean, that's what they, that's what they see because so they vegetarian got, can work, but you but yes, have to. Oh, definitely. I've written a lot about vegetarian diets, and it and it can work. But the more you limit your options in food, the more risk there is to get depleted. If we're talking about deficiency and toxicity, the other side is if you yeah, you, know, you see somebody who's depleted, and you get them more nourishment, they're going to start to build up and strengthen. And uh, you know, and I think that's really important. I in my country doctor days early back in the 70s I was doing a strict vegetarian diet after I did my cleansing and all that stuff and then I started my neighbor was a salmon fisherman and I was I, I, I woke up and, and my partner uh, Bethany who helped me write Staying Healthy with the Seasons and I both had the same night we had dreams I, she had a dream I was making her eat fish and I had a dream I was eating it and we were on our morning walk and he said, "Ek always asks us, you want some salmon today? You know, he says, yeah, well, yeah, yes, you know, and it surprised him. <laughs> and I ate it that night, and I just could feel my brain and my body kind of bringing yeah. in some energy that I wasn't having. Now, yeah. nowadays, you can do fish oil and other things to kind of, you know, right. have a similar effect. But to me, it was like, and so since that time, I've always included some, you know, one of the diets I write about in, in Staying Healthy with Nutrition is pesca-veganism. Because I, I kind of stay away from dairy because, you know, it clogs me up a bit. And, uh, you know, I do some eggs, some fish, and, you know, and lots of veggies. I mean, my diet, I have to keep... 50% veggies, you know, that's mm-hmm. what I work on. And mm-hmm. I chew my food well and not, you know, my biggest challenge is not eating too much at night, you know, which is when a lot of people like to eat. Yeah, I understand yeah. that one. And I, I suppose that you really, if you, if you balance it right, you can get the protein that you need in in vegetables and some, you know, that, that you don't have to do actual meat. Right. I personally have not had four-legged animals in 40-some years. Yes. But one of the best proteins for vegetarians is sprouted legumes, sprouted beans. Mm-hmm. Lentils, garbanzos, black beans, red beans, etc. When you sprout them, you start to digest some of the oligosaccharides that cause gas and bloating, and you create more protein. So you have those little bean sprouts that have little tails on them. They're higher level of protein, easier to digest, 
And you can add those to your salad, add those to the end of uh, your and store. And they're plan. available, like at most. Yeah, um, you could. Health. Well, the easiest thing is so inexpensive. You can just buy your own combination of red lentils, garbanzos, mung beans, and you make up. I have a little rainbow jar, and I put some in a you know some in a sprouting jar. That can be any mason jar, really. Um, and then I cover it with water overnight, like three times the amount of water, so because they swell up. And then I just rinse them for a couple of days. The next day, they're already sprouting. They're, bec- you know, I, I tell people it's like the food is growing while you're eating. It's living food that you're eating. Oh, that's such a beautiful image, and it sounds so simple. It's not difficult. Yeah. You don't have to be a gardener and have to have a whole <laughs> garden out back, but but you can just do that right there in your kitchen. Right, and you know, getting good nuts and seeds in, I think, is healthy. Healthy food. The oils are good yes. for us, and there's lots of and nutrition. And they keep your appetite down too. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, I've, that's what I find. If I'm yeah. just strictly on vegetables, I I, I need that other thing yeah. that keeps somehow my body is yeah. happier. Well, a lot of people are going to less grains, and so like morning for me might be a piece of fruit and a handful of almonds. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't. I tend to not. Go into as many grains because that's that's also a tendency. If, if we tend to eat too much or put weight on grains, is is a harder. And just well, I noticed for me with grains that I my my joints get inflamed. So mm. I don't. I just right. pretty much cut out grains, even good grains, because my body just doesn't seem to tolerate right. them yeah. now as I've gone become older. Yeah. yeah. Well, I see you. I haven't seen you in 10 years, and you're looking good, girl. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So um, just we you mentioned something earlier in this last minute, if you can just say something about the doctor-patient relationship. Yeah, I think that's really important, and that's true. And it's not always easy to find doctors because sometimes your insurance you know, gives you one, or there's not that many that may take your insurance. But ideally, you want to find somebody who has a similar belief system you do, uh, somebody that shows respect. Like, I pride myself on running on time. It's like, I don't want people to sit in my, even though I have a nice reception room and stuff. I don't even call it waiting room. I call it the reception area. Mm. Because I want people to, and not everybody can practice that way because, you know, I tend to be very efficient. I have a certain amount of time that I can be with people. And I know how, I think I know how to do it in a way that's kind of honors people. Like, we have a few minutes left in our visit. Like, you know, we have a few minutes left in our show. What else do you want to share? You know, any other questions you have? And I think it's, you know, but I have a list of 10 things like mutual respect, uh, you know, honoring each other, uh, not, ju- you know, not judgmenting. Because too many, too many people come in and they say, I told my doctor I was taking this herb and this thing. He said, oh, don't waste your money in doing that. That's, you know, quackery or, you know, they just undermine people's goal. And, you, you know, you don't want to take away hope from people, you know, even if they're dealing with cancer or whatever it might be. You want to kind of support them and encourage them. Well, Elson, we could just go on and on. I, I just thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It's, oh, it's been such pleasure. a pleasure. My pleasure. my pleasure, too. I've been speaking with Dr. Elson Haas, and he's the author of Staying Healthy with New Medicine, Integrating Natural, Eastern, and Western Approaches to Optimal Health. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, Elson Haas. MD.com, and that's Elson, E-L-S-O-N, Haas, H-A-A-S-M-D.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. 
You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3650. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions, whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.